cut us something pretty good, and we're gonna, he wants us to pray about that. All right. You might notice the building is a uh, little quieter today. Um, that's because my kids aren't here. Uh, my wife and uh, my kids, to a lesser extent, have been kind of dealing with a bug. I don't know what it is. Uh, it is uh, sore throats and junk like that. It might just be allergies and whatnot, but... Either way, I am here all by my lonesome. Um, it's I, 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 I was talking with my son about that, and I said, "Well, you know, he stubbed his toe yesterday. That's COVID, and <laughs> it's I shouldn't make light of it. I'm sorry. So yeah, uh, sick family uh, for Eric. I I really want my wife to get better. It's a uh, um, yeah." So, uh, other uh, other prayer requests? Oh, yes. For Diana, um, it's going through a rough time. Any others? Let's uh, go to God in prayer together. Heavenly Father, I Heavenly Father, I praise you for the opportunity to be here and to worship um, with with the family of God in this place. I just I uh, I listening to their voices raised up and praising you and and singing about your glory and about your mercy and about your grace and and about your beloved Son, Lord. Just uh, God, it's it. It's a it's a blessing and a privilege, and I, I thank you so much for the the family of God in this place, and I praise you that that your your son that that your grace that your spirit has adopted us um, that we are your family and that we are brothers and sisters in Christ, and I I thank you just over and over again and praise you for that blessing. Um, I praise you that that we're able to to worship today in this place without um, fear of of repercussion or persecution and. And I, I pray for our brothers and sisters around the world and and um, even in this country, I guess, in some spots um, who who aren't so uh, um, blessed in that regard. Um, I pray for uh, pray that you would help us to, to to keep our eyes open and our ears open and our hearts open that we can worship you um, just day to day, that we can see the glory of your your work and your hands in this creation and and in the lives of those that we encounter as as your grace and your spirit fill them. Um, I praise you, Lord, for for um, being the God who's who's awesome, um, God above all gods, God above all all everything, Lord. I I raise up to you our our sins, Lord. I know that we are fallen people, Lord. I know that we stumble and we struggle and we we fall short of your holiness and and your standard, Lord. Um, I know there are folks sitting here today and and praying that that have just ugly things hidden in their hearts and guilt and shame they carry around with them. And Lord God, I pray that that we would know the forgiveness and the grace through your Son. And I pray that you would just hear our hear our prayers, our silent prayers as we raise up our, our sins, as we raise up our confessions. And I pray that you would bring us to repentance and new life in Christ. Um, and Lord God, I come to you with a number of prayer requests, with a number of worries and stressors. And Lord God, first I, I pray for our our teachers and students in this community and, and actually all over the country as they 
they face kind of some unusual um, uh, struggles and, and decisions as uh, school starts back up. And, and Lord God, here in Big Sandy, I pray as our schools uh, kick back on and, and our kids go, I pray that you would keep them safe. And I pray that you would um, make them healthy. And, and Lord God, bless this, bless this time. Uh, pray for uh, Tristan from online who uh, asked for a prayer for a family member who's having a, a difficult time in his marriage. And, and I, I pray that you would just pour your spirit on that situation and, and offer, just offer comfort and offer um, spiritual growth and reconciliation. Uh, Father God, I, I raise up to you Stephanie in the Eries uh, and, and particularly Hannah as uh, they're trying to figure out some medical stuff with her. And I pray that you would, would bless them in that, Lord. Um, give the doctors wisdom and, and bring healing. Um, Lord God, I, I pray for uh, my family as they're sick, and I pray that you would bring them healing and, and uh, help my, my wife just to get better from whatever this bug is. Um, and Lord God, I, I pray for uh, Connor, that his, that his cut would heal quickly, Lord God, and, and I praise you that he's got a heart that looks to you for healing um, and, and recognizes that the, your hand is in every little aspect of our lives. Um, Lord God, I, I raise up... Uh, Callie, as she is recovering from surgery uh, for uh, like this thoracic outlet syndrome that she's dealing with, and and I pray for her as she's traveling uh, to Nebraska from from Texas right now, and and Lord God that that she would recover quickly, and pray for uh, Chase as he's going to be away from his family while his wife is recovering, and and uh, but Lord we praise you for for the success of the surgery that she had. And, and that her parents were available to take care of her and the baby and just praise you for that whole situation. I ask that you'd be in it and help, um, help her to heal quickly and, and bring her home as quick as we can. And Lord God, I, I raise up to you, Diana. She's um, just going through a rough patch. Lord God, she's had a couple of hard years. And I pray that you would um, help her to lean on you in this time of difficulty and, and strain. I pray that you would just pour your spirit on her and offer you your grace and and help her to grow in it, Lord God. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. All right. I, uh, I, it's kind of odd. I almost dismissed the children to Children's Church just now. Uh, but they are not dismissed. They're stuck with the rest of you. Uh, so we are working on psalms today. And actually, this will be our last psalm for the summer. Uh, I am uh, going to be moving on to something else uh, this week. I'm not sure what it is, but I or next week. I'm not sure what it is, but uh, we'll put Psalm 29 off for for a few months, uh, maybe the next summer. Or we'll see what happens. Um, for those of y'all who don't know, I'm trying to trying to preach the entire book of Psalms before I retire, and and I know I'm young, but it's a long book. So, you know, I figure uh, even us 25 year olds have to have an eye on the future. Uh, <laughs> So let's, uh, I'm going to, I know I just led us in congregational prayer. I, I want to pray for the message. It's, um, um, and I know it seems weird, like, oh, we prayed and then we're praying again. But I, I, my forever worry when I prepare to preach is that I, I don't want to preach me. Does that make sense? It is so easy. And I've done this before where I've written sermons. You know, I've looked at a text and said, oh, this is what I'm going to do. And I've gotten done and I've gone back and looked at it and thought, Man, that text really doesn't fit what I'm preaching uh, at all, and I had to start all over. It, it's so easy to kind of put yourself and your opinion and your perspective 
and, and what's on your heart and what's weighing you down. And, and I'm particularly aware of that this morning. And, and so for me, like just praying in advance of, of preaching is a huge deal. And I, I, I feel like it's got to be a separate bit. Um, and so let's bow our heads. Let's pray uh, for the message and, and for God's work in, in his word um, this morning. Um, Heavenly Father, you know the, the wrestling that I, I'm doing in my heart this morning. You know the, the weight that I, I'm trying to, trying to pick up and trying to figure out how to, how to manage in relation to this text. And, and uh, Lord God, I, I pray that you, would, um, that, you would, that you would work despite all of that. Lord God, I know that your word isn't ambiguous. I know that it's not confused. And I know that, that um, it isn't constrained by, by my worries or, or by my ideas, Lord God, but that it's your word. I pray that your spirit would move in this, that your spirit would move in the text, that your spirit would move in the hearts of the folks who are here, Lord God, as they hear the word preached. And, and I pray that they would hear you and not me uh, this morning. I pray that you would... Um, Anything that would be contrary to your will, Lord God, I pray that you would take it away and, and um, not even let it come out of my mouth. Um, I also pray that I don't have laryngitis as soon as I start talking based on that prayer. Um, Father God, I pray for your grace uh, this morning in Christ's name. Amen. So uh, we are on Psalm 28, which is a psalm of deliverance. And um, the so... The Psalms are a fun, uh, a fun collection to preach for an interesting, uh, like the, they're, they weren't written as a uniform set, right? It's not like David sat down and hammered out 150 Psalms, you know, in the course of a few months because he's putting out a book. Um, David wrote some of them and then some other guys wrote others and, you know, and actually the Psalms were written, you know, over the space of hundreds of years. Um, and the other thing that happens, and we're going to see that in this text, um, some of the Psalms, you look at them, and there's the distinct possibility that they were, you know, like David wrote this, and there's the distinct possibility that the last two verses were written during the exile, where somebody, probably Ezra, sat down and assembled the book of Psalms, right? And he gets to this one and he says, you know what, or like either Ezra at the time of the assembling or when they were worshiping God as a community, you know, and somebody says, you know what, this psalm speaks to us. Let's sing this part too. Let's add this. Um, there's a, one of the songs we sang this morning was Amazing Grace, right? Um, but it wasn't Amazing Grace. It was um, that weird version of Amazing Grace that Jeremy pre- sings, right? And... Um, it sings admirably with a, a bird-like tone. Um, <laughs> I heard somebody laugh. I'm not making fun of him. Uh, so Psalms ends up being a weird book. And in this instance, somewhere along the way, it is possible. It's not a definite because there's a lot of this where it's not like, oh, look, it's in a different handwriting. Nope. It's not like, oh, look, this last part is written in Greek. Nope, none of that. It is, you look at it and it's like, oh, wait, I can see how this would be. Right? Like, it might be the case that somebody added this. And the cool thing about it is that if it is an addition, it, like, it's a great addition. And it makes it speak to the coming of Christ even better, like, hundreds of years before Jesus showed up, which is awesome. And so as we dive into this text, understand this is a text written by David that 
the exile community would have read and said, this is our story, buddy, right? And then when Christ shows up, it speaks to the coming of Christ in like a profound way. And, and the scriptures are amazing. And the way that God spoke to his people is amazing because of that. Now, the other thing as I dive into this psalm, um, um, I, I don't even know why I included a background here because I'm not even going to touch any of that. Um, as, I, as I work through this, and, and I think this is the power of the psalms as text, is there are a couple of things that have been on my heart all week. As I, I've been sort of like praying and trying to figure stuff out, um, this psalm clicks with it. You ever get that? Where you're, you got to wait on you and you look at a text and it's like, that's it? Um, C.S. Lewis, uh, in his book on the Psalms, actually said uh, that the power of the Psalms as prayer is that on those days that I don't have the words to speak, on those days that I am like dug out and empty, I can turn and I got words that are better than what I would have come up with on my own. And this is one of those moments where I, I you know, kind of kept these two things separate, the sermon writing. And, and I started writing this sermon at family camp. This is the one I was going to do but didn't. <laughs> so, um, and I'm glad that it worked out that way because this is good. So we're going to dive into the text. I usually have a story or an introduction thing or what have you, but I, I'm not going to do that today. We're going to dive in and we're going to see what happens. All right? Um, so verse 1. To you, Lord, I call. You are my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. For if you remain silent, I will be like those who go down to the pit. Um, so David starts out, God, I'm calling out to you, right? Answer me. Speak. The cool thing about this verse is, if you sit down and spend a very depressing afternoon reading the book of Job, right? Like, this is almost a paraphrase of some of the stuff that Job said. Job talks about, like, God, I need you to move because it's like I'm dying. You know, I need you to tell me what is going on because I, I'm, I might as well be dead. Now, admittedly, he had, like, leprosy, and he was sitting in the ashes of his burned house, and everything was a disaster. And he's like, God, show up and talk to me because you've got some things to answer for, right? Whereas in this case, David is saying, and Job was probably written before David was born, Right? Like, almost certainly. Um, and so, like, he would have been familiar with the text. He would have known this. And so it's a good chance he's referencing, or at least inspired by this, or at least there's a tangential connection. But he's saying, God, don't ignore me. Please don't remain silent. Talk. Do something. Help me. Help me. Help me. So now, there's this theological phrase, the dark night of the soul. Anybody... I'm not even going to explain it. Anybody ever gone through that? Those days where you're like, all right, God, I'm going to need you to say some stuff here. You know, where are you? Why is this happening? Why is everything so broken? Why is everything? I mean, and that actually could be, this could be 2020, the running joke, the dark year of the soul, right? Um, because I look around and cities are catching fire, right? And... You know, there's awful things happening around the world. You, you've got, you know, wickedness everywhere. And honestly, as I look at the, at the church, I, I see preachers preaching their thing to line their pockets, right? 
or they're contorting the gospel into some nonsense self-help thing. And honestly, as I read this, you know, and I, and I at the same time, I'm hearing folks take Jesus and turn him into, you know, some political figure, Marxist revolutionary thing or like gun-toting guy or whatever. I'm like, I look at this and I, I man, this, this is just hollering out to me. God, where are you? Can you talk and can you do something? God, pour your spirit onto us. Like I'm looking for that rushing wind that will fill the temple and, and, and glorify your name. Like, like where are you, God? Where are you? Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help. As I lift up my hands toward your most holy place. Now, in this particular spot, now there's some cool stuff happening here, right? Um, hear my cry for mercy. So this is sort of an extension. He goes from like, hey, God, I'm calling to you. Don't turn a deaf ear to me. Don't ignore me. Please, please, please answer. And then we go on to, um, you know, God, hear my call for your mercy. Um, I lift up my hands. Now, lifting up your hands um, in this context would be a show of like, I, I submit to you, right? Like, or I'm dependent on you or begging, please help me. Right. And then he mentions toward your most holy place. Now, um, we see some references to this uh, throughout the Old Testament. We see it in Deuteronomy where like people are commanded to like face toward, um, you know, the, the mount where the temple would eventually be and pray. And we see where um, Dave or not David, Daniel is another D in the Bible, but he lived a few years later. Daniel, while he's in exile, would every day pray facing the temple. Right. Does that mean we're all supposed to face toward Jerusalem? Wait a minute, I can tell you. Toward Jerusalem? <laughs> you know, like, like, no, there's not a special significance to it. It's a reminder. Like, it is a powerful, like, indication. Like, hey, God, I know you can show up. Show up. God, I know you're out there. Like, I know that in the temple you are manifest. We, we know that the Spirit is manifest in our hearts now, right? We don't, you know, the, we don't believe, like, oh, well, um, God shows up in this one particular spot, and so we all have to take our shoes off and everything, and none of that stuff. Like, like God, like the Spirit is in us. Like Christ has has taken up residence in our hearts and in our souls. We're being transformed. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit and all that. And so we don't like lift up toward Jerusalem. But that's what He's doing. He's saying, "Listen, I, I'm turning toward you. I'm turning toward the place I know you show up, and I am saying, come on, <laughs> where are you?'" Do something. Now, toward your most holy place, the other thing that's kind of significant about that is if you go back and you start reading, maybe at Psalm like 20 and on up to Psalm 28, the temple shows up over and over again and your most holy place. And like there are all these cool little references. And this is in theme because all of these psalms have this connection Right, And whenever Ezra, probably Ezra, sat down and assembled the book of Psalms and organized them, he organized them into units, into books, which I was talking to Lori about the other day. Um, in this particular book, in this particular collection, they run a theme or a collection of themes. Um, and in this case, the temple shows up over and over again. There's one of them that we did. I think it was 26, but 
I, I might be remembering that funny, that is literally a call of preparation to go and worship in the temple. And you would sing it as a preparation to get your heart in the right place to go into the temple and, and provide your sacrifices and worship and everything else. Like, like these are all temple-themed. And in this particular instance, he mentions it. And he says, God, I'm facing the temple. I'm facing where you show up because the temple... And later on, we see actually during the time of Christ where they got confused about this, right? Um, in the time of Christ, the temple became almost a holy thing unto itself, right? And people almost worshiped the temple. Like where Jesus says, well, listen, don't swear by the gold in the temple. Y'all are vaguely, and that's kind of a weird thing to say. Why would you swear by the gold in the temple? Because the rabbis a few years before had had a whole long discussion about what you could and couldn't swear by. And so, like, if you were going to, you know, I I remember reading that originally and thinking, wait a minute, if I put my hand, like, if I ever have to go to court, like traffic court, come on, that was, (laughs) everyone's asleep because that was funny. Um, Um, if I ever have to go to court and put my hand up, do I put my hand on the Bible or is that offensive? Um, and what Christ is referencing and what's the bigger issue there is like, tell the truth, no matter what, it's not about like, Oh, don't do this. It's about don't lie and be the kind of person that people are going to believe you, whether or not you're swearing on something. Right. Um, but little later on, people would treat the holy place. They would treat the temple as a holy thing unto itself. And that's not the point. It is God. I know you show up. And since this is where you show up, I'm talking to you. A lot of times I yell at my children's bedroom from across the house. You know why? Because that's where they're at or supposed to be. Um, So he lifts up his hands. He turns towards the holy place. And he's crying out. And I'm 12 minutes in and I'm just getting to verse (laughs) 3. Do not drag me away with the wicked, with those who do evil who speak cordially with their neighbors, but harbor malice in their hearts. All right, so this is where this is going to get cool, um, as far as the history goes. Because um, David is writing this, and David is saying, listen, I know judgment is coming on folks who who are wicked. And mind you, what kind of wicked are these guys? Are they wicked because... I don't know, they're stealing because they're killing people because they're trying to kill David because, nope, they speak, they do evil. They speak cordially to their neighbors and harbor malice in their heart. These are people who are evil around him, who are everyday people who are evil around him. And he's saying, he's not saying these people are threatening me. He's saying, God, I know, I know you're not going to ignore the wickedness in the world long. I know you're not going to let it go. I know you're not going to turn away. I know, God, that you're going to act don't lump me in with these people, right? Do you ever catch your kids doing something wrong and one of them says, hey, that was them. <laughs> I had nothing to do with this. Um, that's kind of what he's doing here. Now, historically, this is cool because if you jump forward a few hundred years, um, David is long dead. Solomon is long dead. His son is screwed up and the community is split, like the, the country is split and you have the northern and southern kingdom. And then the northern kingdom gets dragged away by the Chaldeans. And then you get to um, the southern kingdom, and this fellow named Nebuchadnezzar marches an army to Jerusalem, sacks the city, takes everyone away with him as slaves in Babylon. And there's this 70-year period called the exile. And so now in the exile, when the book of Psalms was codified into a single unit, somebody sat down, and actually probably not even when they were codifying it, probably not when they were assembling it and putting it together as a single volume, 
It was probably a little earlier than that. It was probably the case that people were standing around worshiping God, and they get to this part, and they're like, oh, wow, that song really kind of speaks to the moment, doesn't it? We all got dragged away. And we got dragged away whether we were being wicked or not. Right? Like, we got dragged away if we were the good guy or the bad guy. And in fact, actually, most of y'all are familiar with this passage. This is in Isaiah. Um, Isaiah wrote a few years before the exile actually took place. I think I can find the book of exile, or the book of Isaiah. Book of exile is actually in my other Bible. Uh, Oh, no. (laughs) Um, All right, listen to me. Give attention from afar. The Lord called me from the womb. Uh, from the body of my mother to be named my name. He put in my mouth. Hold on, let me skip ahead here. This is impromptu. So you're getting, this is my weird little like, jump in with this. Oh my gosh, I got the wrong passage. Uh, okay. Um, Behold, my servant shall act wisely. Does this sound familiar? He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. Um, as with many... Or as many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him um, for what they for that which they see or that, that which has not been told them they see and that which they have not heard they understand. Um, this is the, the song of the suffering servant. Right. And like. Um, the suffering servant's song, we read it at a whole bunch of different times. And, and we read, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by the Lord and afflicted. Um, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. Um, now watch this. Originally... Ancient Jews would have read that text before Christ showed up, right? And the guys in exile would have read Isaiah, and they would have said, I was innocent. I didn't worship pagan idols. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. And I got pierced for the transgression of my neighbors, right? And the guys who um, did not earn the exile, right? And there, there were almost certainly a few. Like, they identified with this text. Right. And they assumed I was innocent, but I was dragged away. Right. Um, Later, we come to understand that this is about Christ. Christ was pierced for our transgressions and he was dragged away. Like, despite the fact that he was innocent, he was dragged away with the wicked. He was dragged away with thieves. He was he was like condemned to a sinner's death and that sinner's death he suffered like that sinner's death that that was put on him was for us right like like god poured his wrath on christ because of every sin we commit because our hearts are black because we we rebel we look for ways that that we can be selfish because we we you know lust after our neighbors wives and we hide it or we lie to people or we you know pad our taxes or we we whatever like we sin we look to our own hearts we worship things that aren't god like money or the fulfillment we get from work or our kids or our families or or you know some political ideal or or you know the acquisition of wealth or whatever that isn't god 
and like, like Christ was dragged away with the wicked on our behalf. And so, like, as David's writing this, and then later as the Israelites would have seen this, they would have said, hey, I got dragged away. Lord God, let me go home. Lord God, let me go back to Israel. Let me leave this place. I don't want to be stuck here. Um, David's saying, hey, I know you're going to strike down the wicked. Don't, meet, don't include me with their number. Don't. So we go on, and the psalmist says, Repay them for their deeds and for their evil work. Repay them for what their hands have done and bring back on them what they deserve because they have no regard for the deeds of the Lord. They have, and what his hands have done, he will tear them down and never build them up again. Um, so here's an interesting thing. This text is a parallel. Watch this. Repay them for their deeds and for their evil works. Right, Their deeds, their evil works for the work of their hands and pay them back for what they deserve. And then he goes on. So he says, listen, these people are evil and they're evil because of their deeds. They're evil because of their works. They're evil for what their hands have done. Give them what they deserve. And then he says, because they have no regard for the deeds of the Lord for what his hands have done. And so there's a parallel where he's saying, listen, these people are evil because they are ignoring God and they're doing the opposite of what God wants them to do. Now, me reading this all I can think about is people who are taking, I mean, honestly, all week, this has been on my heart, like people who take Jesus and they take the gospel and they take the church and they take the scriptures and they contort them, like, for their own gain, right? They, you know, oh, if you only plant this seed offering with us, God will bless you and give you all kinds of money. If you just give to my ministry, you'll be healed. You know, oh, God said I need a brand new $100 million jet so that I don't have to fly with the demons in coach. Um, I didn't make that last one up. Um, you know, Christ died so you could have a happy life and be comfortable, which is a lie. Um, the reality is, the reality is um, that we live in a world where we are surrounded by people um, whose deeds are evil, who do evil things, who abuse the poor, who take advantage of children, who, who murder, who, who murder babies in the womb, who, who, you know, steal children and oppress women to, like, make dirty videos so they can make money on the Internet, um, who, you know, lie and cheat and steal. I mean, like, we are surrounded. Our world is collapsing because of that sin. Uh, John and I were talking about, like, every, you know, every major culture in the world. He pointed out Rome but I, I think you can kind of trace it through every major kingdom and empire and world power. Ultimately, they collapse under the weight of their own sin, right? Like, like and this is the thing that crushes them, wickedness and evil, like ultimately corruption and, and whatnot. Like these are the things that crush empires and they crush nations and they crush people because God doesn't ignore it forever. And, and ultimately, like this is the curse we live in. The world is broken and it will always devolve. It will always get worse. And you know what will fix it? Like, Christ is the only thing that will fix it. You know what fixes men's hearts? Like, the Holy Spirit. Like, being made new in Christ. Being buried, repenting, like, like and being, being buried in your, you know, like, like, in the grave. Like, dying to your old self and being risen again, a new creation in Christ. That changes people. You know, I could stand around and, and talk forever about this sin or that sin, and that was a big thing for a long time in, in 
churches, right, where pastors would pick out one sin and they would talk about it forever and, and, and they would never get to, but Christ died for you. Like, but the reality is, knowing your sin is the first step. Being made new in Christ is the solution. And so, as the psalmist is writing, he's saying, listen, look at their deeds, look at their works, the opposite of what God wants them to be. And we look around and we might say, look, God, look at the TV, look at the cities, look at the news, look at the neighbor, look at this, look at that. It is the opposite of what Christ calls us to be. It's the opposite of what you desire of us. It's the opposite of what we were created for. Now, here's another spot where the the history plays out again. He will... At the end of verse 5, check this out. He will tear them down and never build them up again. So, you get the Jews in exile, <laughs> um, the, the, the southern empire, or the southern kingdom Jews, and they would have looked to the north, right, where their neighbors, the Israelites, and actually not their neighbors, their cousins, the Israelites, had been dragged off into slavery and never come back, right? And so you say, well, look. They never got their cities rebuilt. God, bring us home. You know, like, let us come back. Let us build our cities. But there's a reality that, that there was the distinct possibility that if you left in an exile, like, it was a big thing because ultimately people are an awesome resource, right? I, if I got nobody in the house to bring me a sandwich, I got to get up and get my own. I'm not going to comment on whether or not I still do that. But, like, like, people are a huge resource. And these ancient empires, what made them powerful in the beginning was they realized, man, we need people. We need people to, like, get our sandwiches. We need people to, like, take care of our gardens. We need people to do the stuff we don't want to do. And so we're going to invade their nations, and we're going to drag them off into exile, and we're going to make them slaves. And a lot of times people didn't go back. What made it so that the Jews came back, like in the southern kingdom, the northern kingdom, they went and they assimilated and they disappeared. They were gone. Because they just became like the people that they had like been enslaved to, and they, they stopped being anything. In Judah, they went into exile, and like they, they doubled down, and they said, we are going to be super Jews now, right? That was not offensive. It might have sounded offensive. It wasn't. Like, we are going to double down on our, it's true, yeah, we're going to double down our religious observances. That's when the Pharisees start showing up, by the way. As the roots of Pharisaism comes out of that, well, look, if working on the Sabbath got us in trouble, then we need to know exactly what working on the Sabbath is and make sure we don't do it. So you can't make your bed on the Sabbath. You can't walk more than two miles on the Sabbath. You can't, you know, don't forget to, to tithe on your dill and your mint from your garden because if you're not tithing on that stuff, you might make God angry and then we're in trouble. And so they doubled down and they remained a nation and they came home by pursuing the Lord, by remaining distinct, they came back. And we see, they would have read this and they would have been like, yes, Lord, rebuild our cities. Yes, Lord, send us a Nehemiah to put new walls up. Yes, Lord, send us an Ezra to build a new temple. Come on, God, like, let's get to this. Hear us or we're going to be lost. We're going to disappear into the grave. You and I look at this and we say, Lord, and we're like, the, my take on this is, Lord, save us. Because ultimately, I'm going to be banished from your presence. Our cities may be on fire, 
And we might physically rebuild them next year, but they ain't going to last to eternity. The work of my hand, man, moth and rust, right? Or saw flies, that's the real nasty one. It's going to find it. Like everything is going to go. The only thing that will survive is what Christ has like cleansed in his blood and what is remade in his second coming. That is all of it. And so then the psalmist goes on, and this is actually um, potentially the spot where David finishes up. Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. Now, there's an interesting thing here. There is no indication that God came in and crushed his enemies. Right? He hits this point where he says, man, I know God hears me. Right? I know God is listening. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him. He helps me. My heart leaps for joy. And with my song, I praise him. And so he says, listen, God hears me and I trust him. Does that mean that God fixed everything? No. Could it mean that? Sure. Why not? Um, Is it possible that things did not get better? It is absolutely possible. Um, But for us believers, now watch this. Um, In the book of James, it's a short book. I'm not even going to be able to find it. Um, James is writing to the church universally. He's the head of the church at this time because Peter's gone into, like, hiding so he wouldn't, you know, be killed and stuff. Um, And he's writing to everybody in the church, and he says, Count it all pure joy, my brothers. Count it all joy. Um, This uh, ESV, uh, it's oftentimes translated as pure joy. That's how I memorized it. So, um, count it all joy, my brothers. When you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So the psalmist, David, is saying, listen, God, look around. Look, they're wicked. They're failing. Don't drag me off with them. Save me, Lord. Um, And then he says, you know what? I know God heard me. I know God is protecting me. I know that my strength comes from him. And I'm going to trust in him. We have that opportunity. How many of y'all are pretty ready for January 1st to get here? (laughs) How many of y'all are pretty ready to never wear a mask again the rest of your life? (laughs) How many of y'all are ready to not hear about the next election that hasn't even, like, happened yet? How many of y'all are pretty ready... Like, like to get past some of the awfulness that we are soaking in as a culture right now. I, how many of y'all have complained about it more than once in the last week? <laughs> but James tells us, consider it pure joy when you face trials of every kind. Why? Because when you're facing trials, when you've got difficulty around you, when you are terrified because you know the day of reckoning is coming, and you know that the folks around you are falling into wickedness and they're contorting the gospel and they're preaching their own thing and they're, they're messing up in a big way. And you're crying out to God and it keeps going. But you know what? I know God's got my best interest in heart, right? Because God sent Jesus to die for me. I don't think he'd forget me, right? And actually he says over and over again in the Old Testament, I can't forget my own people any more than I can, a mother can forget their child as they're nursing, Right? I mean, I've met moms who are pretty tired, but God doesn't get tired, right? 
Like, like God doesn't forget us. And so if I'm in this, I'm in this to learn. I'm in this to grow. I'm in this to get stronger in my faith. And so I have to look around and say, I am sick and tired of all this nonsense. But you know what? If it's going to help me trust God more, if it's going to make a deeper well for me to draw faith out of, if it's going to make me like, like stand firmer on the rock because I know I'm going to get washed away any other way, if it's going to make me turn in prayer, if it's going to make me like turn to the scriptures and look for hope, if it's going to make me like trust Christ and lean on him more, then bring it. God heard our cry. God heard my cry. Am I scared? Yeah. I'm not scared about the country. I mean, I'll, people have lived through worse, I'm sure. I'm scared for the souls of my neighbors. I'm scared for the souls of people in, in different places who never hear Christ. I'm scared. I'm scared for my children's future and eternity, not for their economic success. I want my kids to know Jesus. I want my neighbors to know Jesus. And I want God to move. And you know what? In the midst of all of this, i got to trust him. We gotta trust him. He's in control, and we gotta understand he is our shield. My heart leaps for joy at the opportunity to go through six more months of twenty twenty. Five. Five. I don't want to stretch it out any more than I gotta. But you know what if next year's worse, I'll bring it. If that's what God wants me to do, I'll do it. Right? That's going to help me become the man I need to be to preach the gospel better than, than let's do it. That's going to help me know Jesus in a better way. Let's do it. So then eight and nine are potentially, it's not a given, okay, so don't quote me on this. Understand there is the possibility that this is an addition. Now, if it's an addition, that means in the exile, people sitting in the garbage dump of history, you know, taken away from home, their cities burned down, their king blinded, and their, his sons murdered, and... You know, no wall, no future, no temple, no nothing. God, like, is so mad at us, he basically wiped us out. The Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. This last line is cool. But, like, so, and we'll get to that in just half a second. Um, And so, like, it's possible that in exile, grace like rain got added to amazing grace, right? It's possible that in exile, they said, God, we know this is true of David and it's true of us. You're the fortress of our salvation. We're going to run to you. For his anointed one, by the way, um, whether they knew it or not, um, who is his anointed one? Christ is his anointed one, right? Christ means the anointed. Um, Messiah means... Pretty much the same thing, like um, Hebrew and anyway. Um, the Lord like is our salvation, like like His anointed. He is saving us. He is sending a Savior. He is sending someone to die for us. He is sending someone to drag us out of exile and the death that we experience through our sin. He is sending someone to make it right. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Now. This is probably the end half of a little subsection. And that subsection is, at the very end of this one, we have um, a reference to God as shepherd. Last verse, shepherd. Now, if you jump back, what is it, five? 
I'm not good at math. Five Psalms begins with, the Lord is my shepherd. And all of the Psalms between the Lord is my shepherd and this one are references to the temple, references to being brought home and prepared to worship God, being references, like they're references to, to being in times of danger and trusting in God for salvation. Like, like this is, um, this is probably the end, like, of a collection of songs and theme, like a concept album, right? Um, that we can trust in God in the time we're in. That we can trust in God when it seems like we're lost. That we can trust in God when we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Um, that we can trust in God because like in Psalms 22, um, Christ carried the weight of our sin. Christ was hopeless and broken and his joints were pulled out and his clothes were gambled away by soldiers. Um, God is our shepherd and he carries us forever because Christ died for us. And no matter how miserable and ugly and broken and wicked and awful and dirty and filthy and rotten the world is and I am sometimes, Christ still forgives. God is still in control. So my encouragement and my challenge for you, like like what I got out of this as I studied it and I prayed about it, set your heart, your mind, and your eyes on Christ. Like in all of this misery, if tomorrow morning the stock market craters, like you can be sad. I'm going to be, you know, <laughs> I worked hard for my 401k. Like, but if it happens, I'm going to be sad and I'm going to turn around and say, though you slay me, still I praise you. I'm going to turn around and say, God, you are in control. And if this is what I got to go through today, I'm going to consider it joy and I'm going to trust in you. I'm not going to be happy, but I'll do it. No matter what is thrown at us, no matter how broken the rest of the world is, we trust Christ. We stand on the rock. He is our fortress. He is our salvation. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, um, I pray that anything I said that was me and not you, Lord God, that it burned up before it made it anywhere near anyone's ears. I, I pray that your spirit in any place that, that you showed up, that it burrowed deep that it found the, the parts inside folks where they needed to hear you. Um, that folks walk out of here with their hearts leaping for joy at the knowledge that Christ died for them, that they are bought and paid for, and that they are kept safe. Um, I pray that you would be our strength and our shield and over and over again. When we're tempted to, to rant about one thing or another or complain about another thing or what have you, that the words of the gospel of Christ crucified, dead, and resurrected on our behalf, like that those would be the words that find their way out. Lord God, in everything we know that that is our salvation, that is our safety. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have a good day, guys. Don't forget, bye.